welcome to Twelve Questions. Twelve. Yeah. Um, my name is Anna Valenzuela, and uh, I'm joined today by Mr. Alex Young. Hey, how hey. you doing? Hello, hello. And uh, our guest today is. How do you want to identify yourself? What do you identify as? Stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but like, do you want to? You have the Alcoholic. option of an, you have the option of anonymity on this podcast. So if you want to no, be no, like no. just Ken, no, I'm Ken Gar. Oh. Worship me. Yes. <laughs> you know him. You love him. Yeah. Ken Gar, everybody. And before we even get into questions, uh, we're gonna Actually, I probably should do the anonymity after the question. Edit. <laughs> 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 We're gonna do a little uh, a little fun thing. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's sing a happy birthday. Hey, let's All right, sing a happy go. birthday. Happy birthday to you, Ken. Happy birthday to you, Ken. Happy birthday, dear Ken. You'll Happy. never book us for a show. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. Happy birthday. I figured you, you were all caked out, and the meeting I go to is in an Italian restaurant, so Ooh. there's two cannolis. I can't eat them. Gentlemen, Thank you're welcome you. to Ooh. some cannoli action. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. One year sober. What? One year, baby. 366 days, baby. Hell that yeah. That is forever. And you're kind of fascinating because I've known you um, around comedy and mm. you just sort of like one day, you were, you seemed like a, a little bit of a sad sack. A little uh-huh. bit. A yeah. little bit, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you seemed a little sad. Uh, but a lot of comedians seem a little sad. Sure. Totally. And um, <laughs> and then one day you were like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm sober. And you started talking about that on stage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And it, since I was sad when I was sober? No. Or this it before was, I got sober? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember you hosting one night. And uh, a woman rolled around on the floor and like yes. did, and we were. I was like taking pictures, and yeah. and one of my favorite thing to do at the improv is to take photos of despondent piano players. Yes, that's my. It's amazing. It's my favorite thing to do. You it's, could probably start an entire collection. <laughs> it's the best. Between Avery Pearson and <laughs> Jeff Baldinger. Just their cold, dead faces. Yeah. Just like, <sighs> and because you can't bring them into your act because they will be much funnier than you because yeah. of the position they're in because oh, yeah. they're just they're just uh being those muppets that sit on the side they have the, no there's there's no there's no uh risk for them no they have a weapon they have a, they have a musical instrument those yeah. are lethal to compete yeah. yeah it's like a heckler trying to compete with you and you're holding a microphone and have 15 years experience yeah and, and that, dead. <laughs> that is a mic that can be utter brutality it can be the most fun in the whole wide world Mm -hmm. and then some nights it's like why what do we it's it's like every comic shows up to watch everyone else fail it feels Mm -hmm. like and Mm -hmm. it's like where's the spirit of unity guys well i say it's a true room right so if it's if it's funny it it, it works yeah it's not to say that if you don't get a laugh it's not a funny joke but like like the room will is a fair fair room, whereas like potluck at the comedy store, you know, it's like you're in a room full of comedians that want more than anything in the world to get up at the yeah. famous comedy store. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, it's that's a tough room. I still yeah. I still struggle at potluck. 
I almost it's, feel sometimes I my material does better at Potluck than it does at, oh, at the improv at yeah. Lab Work. Yeah, yeah. sometimes. And for um, all you listeners out there, I, I'm I'm host of a show called Lab Work. If you're in the Los Angeles area, it's every Sunday. Yeah, at the improv. And it's at great. 10 p.m. Come by, especially if you're not a comedian. Oh God, please come by. Oh yeah, my if God, you're a comedian, a don't come. Don't come by. We have yeah. plenty of comedians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shortage. I have comedians complain. Oh, I didn't get up. I'm like, um, I have yeah. 75 comedians to show to choose from. So I, yeah, I'm sorry you didn't I get up. up you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's just you know you're so great at it, and it's oh, so you. much fun, and you know and. And also that's when equally like, brutal sometimes. That's when everyone inherits the sadness when they realize what comedy in LA is like. Oh, They're yeah. just like, oh man, <laughs> that was oh, my dream. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle at the end of the night when I know somebody's been sitting there for three hours. It's Ooh. not longer. It's usually yeah. to get in, you know, and it's a bucket mm-hmm. mic, so I just pull them randomly. Yeah. Um, so it's it sucks, you know, but it's just the 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 nature of the beast when you're in Los Angeles. You just have yeah. to sometimes just grind it out. Yeah, and sometimes. Wait for your turn. Yeah, sometimes it's not going to be yeah. easy, but that's that's life on life's terms. That's it. Exactly. But then you have like these headliners that'll come in and just work it, and we're just all like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> you see a headliner, you're like, oh, "Okay, great. They're gonna they're gonna hit twenty minimum," and you're like, "I think okay." I, I, I've been I've been really lucky that a lot of, like Nick Swartzen's come by and he's like like they'll do like mm-hmm. ten or you know what I mean yeah. like That's a cool. lot of them aren't like two and a lot of, it's like so funny because like Dane Cook walked in oh, and no. looked around and went nope no. and then turned around oh. like he's not he didn't want to so do a Republican Canadian good <laughs> and, uh, so uh, what's his name um. Oh my god! I just saw him last night. Um, I'm totally blanking on the name. Black dude had his own TV show on NBC. Gerard. Gerard. Gerard thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to call him Jacob for some reason, but Gerard Carmichael. Hey, Jacob Carmichael. <laughs> I go. Gerard wanted to do the same. Like he walked in. He's like, "Hey man, can I get up?" I'm like, "You're more than welcome to." It was yeah. in the main room. I'm like, "But these are mm-hmm. 200 comedians." He goes, "Have a good night." <laughs> I just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I just left. I'm like, <laughs> he just sees the full room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realize. Like, nobody wants that. <laughs> like, oh, these were kind of young and raggedy mm-hmm. comedy people for the yeah, improv. Yeah, like, like, worst group on ever. I know. Two dollars and seventy five cents. Shitty frat and a shitty sorority. Showed up. Yeah. yeah, but it's um, you know, it's 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 really cool. I, I I kind of equate it to when I first got clean. I was in a really small area, and you would see the same ten people at every meeting, and they would share the same things, mm-hmm. what they were either going through currently or like their sort of their pitch. They would share that over yeah. and over and over again because you have to share to have a meeting. Like yeah. in order to participate in a meeting, you got to keep the doors open to be of service. Yeah. And so we would, somebody would come from another town or maybe somebody you don't see a lot would come and we would be like, New fish. Ooh, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah. We'd be so excited. And I think that kind of happens sometimes at those um, at those mics and shows in L.A. Sometimes somebody you don't see a lot will come in and everybody will be like, oh, hot damn. Look at oh, that yeah. fresh take on that joke. <laughs> well, it's so funny because when people come to visit L.A., they're like, this is amazing because they get up everywhere. Yeah. Yikes. Because everybody wants to book them because they're mm-hmm. not the same, you know, 40, 50 uh, comics that no, are available kids, all the time. Oh, yeah. So they're like, everyone comes here like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to move here. It's going to be amazing. I go, this is they move here like oh mm-hmm. i'm in line with 300 other people and yeah, <laughs> oh, <that works laughs> i know just keep visiting you know yeah but okay so we've had a ton of comedy talk sure. up top let's talk about so so i knew you and then i don't know if alex's experience because you guys are not too far off from each other no we're like literally a week, well, apart. A, a week apart like we both of our sobriety dates are like yours is what the sixth the sixth yeah the sixth mine is the 11th Okay. Oh wow! Yeah. So that's we didn't even know that until like further in, like not what until day recently. Is it? What day is it? September 11th. 
No, <laughs> well, I know that, but like, what day is it today? Oh, today is. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's today's sadder. Today's the seventh. Okay, yeah. there was a part of me that was like, "Fuck, did I miss Alex's birthday? I'm the worst." <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. Never forget. Think about it. Well, my life no, felt like the twin towers. Yeah. No fronts. That's your like now cannoli. That's not your later cannoli. Oh, I got you. Yeah. My, my appetizer. Your appetizer. Um. Oh, wow. So I knew you and you were just kind of like living your life. Mm -hmm. You seemed a little tired, a little stressed. You were on the road a lot. What did surrender look like for you? Like a rock bottom? Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, so I drank heavily in my 20s and then I got married and my wife and I were both kind of big drinkers. Uh, See, I grew up on the south side of Chicago and it's like the culture there is very much a drinking culture. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so like you don't realize that you're like you're like well i'm not drinking any more than the other guys are drinking right we're all we're all drinking the same so i don't have a problem and until you kind of get out of that environment you don't realize how how bad it is right um so in my 30s i i I did this thing a lot of alcoholics do is try to slow down i I switched from liquor to beer Mm -hmm. Uh you know what i mean and so then i was only drinking beer and but it would take me you know 12 to 14 beers to like Easy. get <laughs> right. to the same level that I could get with like a half a bottle of SoCo, you know? And so, um, Wait, so, SoCo was popular in Chicago in the night, yeah, like the 2000s. Okay. Yeah, wow. it was SoCo and Coke, it was, it was my drink, SoCo and Coke, all right, you know, with a lime. And, um, and so when I got in my 30s, um, I got divorced, I drank heavily after my divorce. Um, and then when I moved out here, I I was dating a girl at the time who just really wasn't a big fan of me drinking. And right. we didn't, like, she wasn't a huge drinker, which helped out a lot. You mm-hmm. know, my drinking has a lot to do with the person that I'm dating for some reason. Mm. Um, and so I get triggered a lot when, you know, I'm, I date a lot of alcoholics, you mm-hmm. know. And so she wasn't. And so I just kind of, it didn't become a big thing for me. And then when we broke up and she moved back to Chicago. It was on. It was on, yeah. and you know, and then and then I started switching like back to like old fashions, right? Ooh. And so, and then I'm like, oh, this isn't good because me on liquor is just a bad. It's bad, you know. It's like the Incredible Hulk, and so, um, so I I, I tend to like get into a fits of rage. Um, the more I like, the more liquor that I drink. Um, so I saw that pattern happening. So then, what happened was, um. An ex of mine who I was very close to um, and really was going to marry for a while uh, called and and she was she told me that she was HIV positive. Yikes! Yeah, and I was fine. I had been tested and we hadn't been together for a few years, but like it still affected me. And I got out like and then I had to drive to San Diego to do shows at the Madhouse. Got to the Madhouse, started drinking immediately, doubles. And then got in my car and drove to where my buddy was staying in La Jolla. I was just using his place. I got followed by the cops. <sighs> and then by the grace of God, I didn't get pulled over. But I can, and I actually share this. Uh, I spoke at a meeting today for the first time, actually. Wow. Um, but I shared today that, like, I was relieved when the cop was behind me because it was over. Like, there was nothing else that I needed to decide anymore. I didn't, didn't just, I was going to quit comedy. Because I would have had this ten thousand dollar fine, I would have had five thousand dollars in lawyers' fees, I would have had a lost license, I would have moved back to Chicago, I would have taken my care of my sick ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. like everything would have been decided for me, and I was relieved. And then he didn't pull me over, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So then after San Diego, I went to Las Vegas for seven days and drank for seven days straight while performing there in Vegas, 
it didn't affect my work because I wouldn't start drinking until the curtain came up. Okay. So then, but by the time the the show ended and I'm like wrapping up the show, I was good and buzz, and then I just go out drinking and then sleep till two and then get up and then go. Right. Do my the second show. show and third show and just prime. It wasn't. In the it was pump. just one show a night. One show a night. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I'm done by ten ten o'clock and I'm ready to go out. You know. So a friend of mine comes to visit me, a girl, and you know we've just been friends for years. I got drunk, um, I made made a move, and she wasn't into it. And for me, like I was drunk, and so I couldn't take it, and so I literally, like I'm so embarrassed to share the story, but I I literally pouted like a five year old boy, like wouldn't <laughs> talk to her, ignored Why her. Why won't you fuck me? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big boy. You sit on my face you know like mm. most people save that for the stage is right. what, I've, what i've discovered <laughs> most comedians they're like she wanted fuck you. yeah it's like because you're the worst that's why <laughs> i was almost hiv positive yeah. you give me love <laughs> so i um so i acted like a five-year-old and then and then like the next day i woke up and i felt like shame guilt yeah. anger and i went over and i apologized to her but like for me it was kind of like this God shot where it was just like, dude, you're going to be 40 in March, which was like six months from then. I go, and you're still waking up hungover as fuck, apologizing for your behavior the night before. And you've been talking about for 10 years quitting drinking, you know. And so I I drove home, white knuckled it. Uh, it was Labor Day weekend. I drove home that Monday. It took me five hours to get home because it's Labor Day from Vegas. And I came home and I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm going to try it for like 30 days. I'm going to yeah. quit. I opened the fridge and there was a six pack. I'm like, as soon as these are gone, <laughs> as soon as these are gone, I'll start. To, I'm like, Why, who starts on a Monday? We'll start on a Tuesday. I mean, it's Labor Day. You're not a king. I mean, right, I'm not a weirdo. Yeah, geez. So I drank those beers, um, and then the next day I stopped. Now, in the joke that I tell on stage is that originally I quit drinking because I wanted to lose weight, and it turns out my beer gut is just a gut, right? And so, <laughs> you know, so, but the, the honesty, the honest truth is that. I quit drinking just to kind of like slow everything down and to take inventory and to see how my life was different. And 30 days into it, I'm just like, I have a problem because I knew I because I was having withdrawal. I wanted to drink. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to deal with these new emotions I was having. Mm -hmm. I had never gone more than 30 days without having a drink ever since I was 17. And like so I was discovering all these things about my my body and my spirit and everything. And then mm -hmm. I said, I'm like, all right, well, let's go 60 days. And then 60 days came. And then I started reading up on AA and I started, you know, I started talking to other sober people and I'm just like, you know what? I go right around the 90 day mark. I go, I'm, I'm never going to be a social drinker. Like this is, this is like, I know that I have that allergy that as soon as the alcohol hits my brain, the switch flips and it's on. And I know yeah. that I can't ever drink responsibly, even as a 40-year-old man. Like, And it's so weird to say even now, a year later, it's just like, I got this. We can handle this. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, and like, I could just have a couple of beers, but I know because it's a progressive disease that I, within two weeks, I'll be drinking 12 to 14 beers or I'll be drinking five to six old-fashioned. Oh, you'll, like, tri yeah. you'll triple down. You'll like, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a, a, a single open bar wedding that I went to that I didn't make my money back <laughs> you know what I mean oh, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? like open bar like good luck you know? <laughs> and by the way you can still do that what you do yeah. is you tell every person with a plate of hors d'oeuvres I don't drink mm -hmm. make this worth it yeah and you can eat all the puff pastries oh, you yeah. can possibly oh, yeah. fit into your body yeah. <laughs> I will get two pieces of cake <laughs> so I spent the first um, I'd say I spent the first six months dry I was I'm in, a, I'm in another fellowship mm -hmm. where I'd done the 12 steps um, but at the six month mark, I was out of my mind. I was like, 
there was, you know, I was still having fits of rage, but sober now. And I didn't know how to deal with these feelings that mm. were coming, that were surfacing. And I was mm-hmm. so angry about everything. Like, Ooh. my roommate was like, he, you know, he was in, um, like an acapella group in college and one oh, day no. he was like singing and I just turned I'm like would you fucking quit singing and he's just well, like, just like the one thing that brings joy in his life and he's just like yeah okay okay man like, like, like that's so you stop funny. being happy around me that's right. such a that's such an alcoholic move I oh, love that yeah. that's so funny I once had an ex go you laugh too loud and I was yeah. like are you yelling at me about my joy what are you doing right now uh, you, should have, you should get him you should get him in an acapella recovery group that's yeah, it. Know, oh right? god hey 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 Oh God! All the Billy Joel songs. Oh man! <laughs> Waking up every morning, ha 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 ha! Like no, dude, bro, yeah. come on. Uh, um, yeah. So that's like, kind of my that was my path, you know. And and um, you know, I really uh, the, the the big famous stories. I I got into Big Sky Comedy Festival, which is one of the best comedy yeah. festivals yeah. in the country, and I felt so undeserving to be there and so self conscious that the first night I drank like a half a bottle of tequila. Wow. Got into it with some locals, got into it with a security guard at the hotel, and by the next day, the industry only knew me as that drunk guy from last night. No. You know, and it's just, yeah, I mean, it was like, it took me a long time to kind of rebuild those relationships and to kind of change that first, I mean, first impression. Yeah. Right. This is the most industry I've ever been around in my life. Right. You know, people that make decisions on your career, and I just... Oh, you're that drunk guy that tried beating up that security guard. I'm like, oh man, like that's you know, and that was kind of the beginning. That that all happened before the girlfriend, the ex girlfriend. That yeah. all happened before Vegas, and that was like the first time where I'm like, this is making my life unmanageable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I feel so undeserving of being here. So I'm that, gonna destroy it. So I'm gonna destroy it. Yeah, and 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 I and I don't deserve success. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like you know, it's funny because I, I did a roast battle one night and I mm-hmm. and I won. And uh, Jeff Ross, you know, who doesn't know me? And mm-hmm. he's just like, he's like, you've been doing stand-up for 10 years? And I'm like, yeah. He's just like, well, congratulations. You won a roast battle. Like, <laughs> and that's like, and that's more than fair, right? Because because that's I would get so to these funny. points in my career. Uh, I would get to these points in my career and I would just always come in third place or I would just right. screw up the 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 audition or I would screw up the showcase because I didn't deserve to be successful and I deserve to be happy and and so now that I'm in sobriety now I'm in recovery it's like the sky's the limit for me now My, right. you know what I mean I just mm-hmm. so I don't know what the 12 questions I don't want to like <laughs> no you're doing great you're killing it so, you're killing it um, um what was you? You kind of touched on it this last uh, uh, when you were talking about the Big Sky Festival. Would you call that like one of your most insane moments, sort of in oh, and out? Without a doubt, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there in my twenties, I, I, I had a lot of insane moments. I, I can't, to be totally frank, I can't believe I survived my twenties. Uh, yeah, just I honestly because it was I drank and drove every weekend. It was so acceptable as far as our culture in chicago on the yeah. south side and yeah you know what i mean I, I i literally got a dui i walked in you know and in chicago's type of place where you know i knew the the state's attorney i know the you know what i mean wow. like and then we walk like I, I i'm not kidding you and when i got my uh, dui in 2005 i walked in the prosecutor walked up shook my hand was like i heard you're a comedian like don't put this in your act walked up to the judge and then something happened and my lawyer looked at me and goes i don't know who you are he goes but we're out of here and I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, nice. gangster as fuck. You know what wow. I'm saying? Because 
that's just like how Chicago works. It's just like it's, it all depends on who you know. But you don't have any consequences then. Wow. I signed a check for fifteen hundred dollars, which to me at the time was nothing. I'm that's just like, dangerous. yeah, we're not, we're out of here. No suspended license, no nothing. Right. Invincible. So so you're invincible, but that's not a good. And that's why they that's call it rock bottom yeah. right. because yeah. you're like you have you're like padded this whole time and nothing really bad's happening. That's why yeah. I always told. I says the reason we send kids to war is because they're fucking invincible. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't you can't knock down a twenty year old man. That's true. You know, they just keep getting back up. Like, oh, man, we'll just drink tomorrow, you know? Yeah, so what exactly. can I say is send more kids to Iraq? Yeah, but for me, to kind of answer your question, it was, <laughs> it was, it, it was, um, like, in my 20s, that was really where the mm-hmm. insane moments were, where yeah. I would... I would get drunk and like become suicidal and get in my car and I would I would I would I would like be in Michigan at like a friend's cottage and I would get in my car I would drive down a forest uh highway high like a for mm-hmm. in a forest and it hit 85 miles an hour and then I'd shut off the headlights. Oh. Like wow. crazy shit. You know what I mean? And it's so funny. And it's so funny because like people in LA don't know that side of me, and they've never seen yeah. like the true alcoholic. And they're like, I just, I don't know. You never thought you had a problem. Mm-hmm. You're just like, a nice like guy. The scariest <laughs> yeah. alcoholics in the world are the ones you didn't know had a problem. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> it's true because they're just doing things by themselves. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Even last night, my friend Jackie's just like, I thought you were just trying to lose weight. I'm like, no, Jackie, I'm an alcoholic. That's you know? so funny. I will burn this place down. <laughs> That's so. It's so funny because I got, I got. Um, uh, sober shame by a bartender in Lake Tahoe <laughs> over the weekend, and he literally I was like, "Yeah, can I get a a cranberry and, and soda?" And he goes, "Don't you want some alcohol in that?" And I was like, "No, man, I'm sober." He goes, "Yeah, I know, but or he's like, oh, I, you know, it probably tastes better with liquor." I go, "I'm like, yeah, maybe." I go, "But you want your bar lit on fire in the next hour and a half?" <laughs> exactly. And he goes, "Club soda, it is." Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? like, Why do I have to defend? Yeah, that? yeah, dumb. So. dumb. Yeah, I know that's funny. It <laughs> yeah. happened to me this weekend at a at a wedding, at a Vietnamese wedding, of course. Oh, yeah. So the Hennessy is flowing; it's in the air. I you didn't know, know Vietnamese people. Oh, in are you kidding? Is it like a rice based yeah. Hennessy? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's brown rice. <laughs> oh Jesus! No, like this guy's like everybody's literally walking around with a Kirkland sized bottle of whiskey, and they're just like yeah, pouring it in cups, and people are drinking it out of chalices. Like that's yeah. it's that much Hennessy. And I made it through the whole night without anybody offering me alcohol because the majority of the people knew about my meltdown. They saw it like sure. last year. But this guy was like a new guy and he was like, hey, drink some. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. He's like, no, 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 you got to drink some before you pass through these two tables. I'm standing right here. You have to drink this. Yeah. I'm like, you don't want me to drink this. And he goes, oh, you want me to put a tampon in it? Will that make it taste oh better? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it would. Here, where's your tampon? You want to pull it out your pussy, asshole? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you're funny. No, but really drink. I'm like, no, I can't. Trust me. He goes, Pussy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah so funny. I was like, yeah. "What is your problem? Do you not know?" Yeah, dude. Jesus. Do you guys, if you figured out the water bottle trick, like oh, if yeah. you go to a function and you're just holding a water bottle, nobody will offer you a beer. Oh, wow. that's been like that's been my saving grace for a really long okay. time. Yeah, but then you can't get into fist fights. You know what I mean? I know. Like that's, and that's it. Didn't really stop me. I was getting in like after meeting parking lot. Fights. Yeah, I can just imagine. I can just. Wow. I can picture you right now, just taking your earrings out. I took my earrings. Latina accent coming out for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> oh no, you didn't. Nah. Like, fuck this hoe. Like, huh? yeah. like you're from North Long Beach. Chill out. <laughs> exactly. I took my earrings out, handed my purse to my boyfriend, and they were like. Are you gonna stop that? That is a guy that he's she's like, trying he's to just fight. Like, World stars, get the <laughs> camera out. And he was like, "She can handle herself. It'll be fine." <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, 
yeah, you can still get in trouble, but it's oh, all yeah. it's all good. How do you? That's make, a great tip, though. Exactly, just a great tip. That's yeah. a little. That's a little way because most people are like, oh, th- she's hydrating or whatever, and yeah. they don't even. Or she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah that's Uh-oh. true. Yeah, that's true. Got to give her some extra. To give her a double, then. Right. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, that reminded me of uh, Lara. She has that great joke about, uh, and I've interviewed her in the mm-hmm. past. Uh, she has this Lara great bites. joke. Yeah, about. Um, so funny about Which Laura? uh Laura bites. bites. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She has this great joke like about that. uh somebody having one beer in a bar and she goes, What are you pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um but uh how do you make decisions? Um about sobriety or about Just anything in the world? Anything. That's uh so I I think for me what what sobriety has given me is a little bit of space. You know what I'm saying? And so when when something comes up, I'm now able to go, all right, there doesn't have to be an impulsive decision mm-hmm. right now. I have literally, like, like my whole thing, uh, and especially in the comedy world, like one of the things that a lot of new comics struggle with is silence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that ability to just get through to your joke and then, you know, all of a sudden it's like quiet. And then, like, I was always like, like okay, let me just skip to this next joke. You can always tell when I'm struggling if I was struggling because I'd start speeding up my, my pace yeah. to get to that funnier joke because they're not laughing at me. And and for sobriety, it's like, okay, I don't need to make any impulsive decisions. I can tell a person, hey, I'll get back to you. Or, hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to need exactly, like, oh, I'll get, you, get to you in two hours. So now my decision process takes a little bit longer because I realize now it has to go through the alcoholic brain mm-hmm. and then it has to get to the recovered brain which sits behind it for me mm-hmm. and go okay what what's the best situation for yourself here what do you, you know what do you do and, and then i also have some guiding principles right mm-hmm. you know how does this decision um uh, run up against my morals and my values right. as a person you know what i'm saying like am i doing this because um i'm being self-centered or egotistical or i'm doing it because it helps another person out or you know, so I kind of I try to lead with you know my decisioning around how is this going to help another person or how is this going to benefit society or, or as opposed to like hmm, I wonder if this can like help me exactly you know what I mean and what can this do <sighs> for me and it's yeah. hard to do especially when you're in the entertainment business I, yeah which is so cutthroat and so competitive right right you know right, what right. I mean yeah there is definitely a um I've I've had a, a clash of values um, yeah. coming from a, a pro- program background for you know 12 years before starting in the entertainment business and then running into people that are just where the bottom line is how do i get mine you know what i mean and having maybe even having close personal friends where it's even like you know if you're doing this this and this and all of a sudden you you see them click into like okay how do i get mine and it's Mm -hmm. a very interesting it's an interesting thing to observe and it's an interesting thing because when i start to have those kind of thoughts in entertainment where it's like well so looking you know Know, looking into other people's lanes or yeah. you know this that and the other thing and what i'm starting to do is to just be like well good for them yeah and just like yes. immediately or like oh god bless him that is such a yes. good good and just really like forcing myself to say it right away yes. so there isn't a sense of like dwelling on it because yeah. it was really it took about a year and a half 
in before when stuff started to happen in my career where I sure. started to get those it started to creep in and I was like what is this yeah yeah you're like at a restaurant and like you order something you get that but then somebody gets their other food you hear the sizzling on the plate and you're just like oh what the what, what yeah that? You know exactly what? Yeah. exactly what what most entertainers do is they walk over and they try to pull the steak off that fucking plate and you're yeah. like hey this is fucking my steak like yeah. get, get off my steak bro and I uh, to use that analogy I have found just handing them the steak it's better. the best mm-hmm. because, you know, it's like, look, I I, I love lab work. It's like mm-hmm. my baby. But, like, you can also look at it from the point of view, like, I've been doing stand-up for 15 years. Why am I hosting an open mic? Well, because I am truly a fan of comedy mm-hmm. and I'm truly a fan of development. And when I got mm-hmm. to Los Angeles and I started going to mics, I realized that unlike Chicago where I came from and other comedy scenes, there's no mentoring going on because yeah. the mentors here are all millionaires who don't have time really to spend yeah. with you. Exactly. Some of them do. Some of them are great. But, you know, that whole like that 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 kind of like not class system, but like that, that that guy who's been doing it four years can take care of the guy who's been doing it two and the guy who's been doing it. Yeah. There's not that here. And so for me, I was just like, yeah, I want to like support other comics and i want to see them be successful Mm -hmm. now when you're an alcoholic that's difficult to do that and when Mm -hmm. you go to something like a big sky comedy festival and you're like this is a kind of this is my this is my one shot i'm like eminem throwing up spaghetti on my sleeve i'm not thinking from what i'm observing and what i'm experiencing there can't be just one shot there is there is no way to either crack open the door once or or close it permanently don't quit and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Work yeah. hard. Be mm-hmm. nice. Just don't quit. Mm-hmm. And 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 show business will find a spot for you. Will yeah. it be your mm-hmm. own TV show? I don't know. Right. But I am convinced that if I am nice and work hard and keep getting better at my craft, that eventually I will find whatever my lane is. Yeah. And in the meantime, what I want to do is help promote other guys like you mm-hmm. and Alex and, and other people like – to just give it back and pay it forward. And you're doing yeah. a great job at that, though. I, I gotta tell to, you, honestly. you're one of the best hosts of that. And it's genuine, though. Like, it's yeah. not, and that's the hard thing about Hollywood is like, what's the catch here? Like, what's Gar trying to do? I'm like, I'm not trying <laughs> to do anything, nothing. man. Like, I gave up everything in my life <laughs> to be a stand up yeah. comedian, and I wanna be around comedians all the time. Exactly. People, I go back to Chicago, like, hey, how's LA? I'm like, ah, oh, it's the greatest place in the world. I'm like, yeah. why? I'm like, I'm surrounded by the funniest people in the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, like, my, mm-hmm. I get up every day and I work with the funniest people in the world. That's true. You know what that's I'm very true. And, that's very, very and true. And that's a blessing you yeah. know, that I don't take for granted ever. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, but again, when you're an alcoholic and you're in the shit, it's yeah. hard to see that. Yeah. You know, you see, well, fucking Alex won Rose Battle and fucking Nana's on TV and this is, yeah. well, you know, like that's, that's when you start to become poisonous. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. when show business starts working against you. And I yeah. see it every day. And, yeah. You know, you can, we could all name five comics that have that attitude. Like, yeah. well, why aren't I getting mine? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. And you, think... you get a lot of the emails too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> why didn't you do the I yeah. love when you read those on, on stage. That's like, amazing. For our listeners, like, yeah. kid will get on stage and read like an email or a I message. I from open micers. <laughs> that's, so funny because here's the thing the other thing i'm trying to do is that <laughs> the best. you're trying to teach i'm trying yeah. to teach yes right and and i had a comic walk up to me like yeah ken this guy's a road comic i'm like idiot we're all road comics yeah, yeah you should like, you build an act and you oh. take it on the road yeah you mean you get paid to tell <laughs> yeah. jokes to regular yeah. people who can pay your bills right. fuck I off i pay my buddy. bills by telling uh, jokes uh, <laughs> the food never tasted any better i ca- i couldn't believe how excited i was the first time i did like a road gig and mm-hmm. i was like 
I got out there and I realized, oh, these are the people that are going to pay my bills. Yes. This yep. isn't like and that's trying you to shake a- all their hands and you sh- take all the pictures with them and you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're watching all the TV shows and we're sitting yes. here like, oh, that show's not funny, but it's not for you. Shut up. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's you not exactly. Idiots. You don't watch TV. You can't afford cable. Shut up. Like, <laughs> well, because we're so inundated with talent in this town, exactly. it becomes very easy. It's sort of like that. Um, I'm going to make it the pervious analogy, but it's, it's sort of like that weird sex guy the, oh, yeah. who's into the weird sex things and after a while the only thing that can do it for him is a girl in a unicorn costume you oh know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so it's that sort of thing like entertainment Wait, did wise did you get my hard drive yeah. <laughs> how did you know well, that I hate to tell you I researched for this podcast send me that link yeah you got it <laughs> but like you know it's, it's one true. of those those things of um, you know kind of getting back to uh we have so much to be grateful for. And I love that attitude that you have because definitely the advantage of coming in with a little bit of program under my belt was I can monitor my thoughts. And Mm -hmm. I've noticed in the last six months to a year, I was like, well, that's not a thought that's going to help me at all. What are you doing in here? You really negative thought you got to go. And it's, but it also would be completely inhuman if I didn't go down that road. What I I was sharing today at a meeting that um, I had a friend who had a bunch of time and she went out mm-hmm. and it really, that one really affected me. Normally what my friends do, because when, when you've been around for a minute, you're going to have people start either going out or going like, at first, when you're in your first like five years, people just go out and get loaded. Sure. And then people start to die. Yeah. And that's very weird. Yeah. And then after that, uh, you have a phase of people that either go crazy because they just stop going to meetings. Like yeah. if you, if you've been to a convention yet, no. Oh God. Can I tell you, I've, I've probably shared this too much. I saw George Carlin at a 12 step convention in wow. 2005. Oh. Like, cause the world conventions have music acts and comedy yeah, acts yeah, yeah. and all these different things. And there's nothing I want more in the world than to do conventions because mm-hmm. I love telling jokes for my people. Sure. Like I love it, but they, um, like, uh, when there's they do these things called a clean like a cleaner you know sobriety countdown and yeah. it'll be like all right who here has 49 years mm, and like fuck. one old dude will sit stand yeah up, <laughs> just like yeah. two and then and they'll go down from there yeah and it'll be like who here has from five to ten it's it's a real small group and they yeah. all look a little beleaguered like yeah, they're just yeah. like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah and um and in that time period a lot of times people decide that like they don't need meetings anymore sure and so i've had friends get crazy on me because yeah. they just stop going to meetings and mm-hmm. then i've had friends that this is the first one that ever went out and the thought that she had around it was cuz she was a both her and I um, got clean before we were twenty or, or twenty one. Oh wow! I was twenty, Hard, yeah. she was sixteen. Yeah. Wow. So it's interesting that you were almost forty because I was yeah. just twenty when I got yeah. clean. So it was like the um, so I had to make a lot of this <laughs> stupid twenty year old life decisions and yeah. um, and antecedent just behavior, but like also was in the program. <laughs> yeah. Oh I'm goodness. living proof that you can make all the mistakes and yeah. still like stay oh, yeah. clean and sober. <laughs> But the, um, I feel like I'm talking too much about myself, um, but uh, I wasn't going to say. Sound like a comedian. You would be crazy if you didn't have those thoughts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would told her, I was like, you know, what were your thoughts leading up to it? And 
And I, I would be crazy if I didn't like once a year be like, oh, it's starting to be summer. You know, it would be nice. Oh, real God, yeah, cold dude. beer. Mm. Yeah, that's the problem with social mm-hmm. media. They keep advertising like my favorite beers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, is there a way I can shut this off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just like that Lining Kugel summer shanty looks like yep. I probably put 2,000 of those down. Exactly. And like that's like my favorite thing of all time is a, you know, a Polish sausage and, or a, a bratwurst and a oh, of course. fucking summer shanty. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. I'm burping just thinking about right? that. <laughs> <laughs> and a Tums for dessert. Yeah. Um, but it's no, the, up. <laughs> you would be insane if you didn't have those thoughts. Right. But the what makes a person who's clean and sober and like living their program not use is like what I do is I go, well, cool. Well, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's still a thought I have. That's fun. Yeah. But uh, I would uh, burn the bar down. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So how have you, what have you learned about yourself that is um, surprising to you? Like when you really got into doing your, your, your writing and your inventory and stuff, like mm-hmm. what were things that you learned about yourself that were surprising? Everything I thought about myself wasn't me. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so like, for me, it was like, I, my parents have been married 53 years. Wow. Three generations of firefighters. I was always going to college. That was never a question. I was going to be a lawyer, and I changed my major halfway through my freshman year. But, like, and my mom cried, you know, because, you know what I mean? But, like, my life, I felt like, had already been determined. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so it was just like, you're going to be, like, and, and, and I went, I was very fortunate that I um, tested really high, and I got to go to a, a gifted school, a magnet school. And so I was always two grades above everyone else and and i went through honors in high school and national honor society and like all that stuff but like so i was always like the crown jewel of my family as regards to education and so i never got to pick any of the things i wanted i loved doing plays in high school and i wanted to do i and i thought about doing second city when i graduated high school and at the time on the main stage was tina fey steve carell wow. stephen colbert they were the main stage players at that time 1995 you got and to see so, them? I didn't do it. I didn't join because my life had already been determined. But did you have right. to catch a show? No, by the catch- time I got to Second City, it was like Rachel Dratch and okay. um, a couple other. Um, but so I was living kind of this pre-programmed life that I was expected right. to live. And then I got married and then I got a dog and then I got a house and then I got a job and I got all these things that you're supposed yeah. to have. And I just remember laying in bed thinking, I don't want any of this. Ooh. All I want to do is go tell jokes. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. so for me, going through the steps and really taking inventory, it was about rediscovering who I really was. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot like like a lot of people don't realize, and I don't call it shyness, but I'm very private. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so I'm I'm outgoing. Like if I see you guys at Mike's yeah. and obviously you guys are friends, we've known each other for three years and, and, and yeah. but like what I discovered in my sobriety is that I'm kind of a private person. I'm very reserved. I you know my ex wife used to get so mad because I go to she we go to her friends parties and I just sit quietly on the on the couch because I didn't know anybody yeah but and once I had three or four beers then I could open up and then I could be the person that you expected me to be mm. you know so for sobriety it's been like it's like finding out who I was but the biggest fear I had getting sober is what if I'm an asshole <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying mine was what yeah. if I was boring right mm-hmm. Same right here. yeah Same and I, because yeah. I was an asshole I was and like okay with that and but... about, about two months ago I went to my friend's 40th birthday party in Washington D.C. one of my closest friends mm-hmm. and I'm sober and we're up till 1am we're playing cards and they're all drinking and he said god damn he goes I didn't think he goes who knew you'd be funny or sober 
And right. for me, that was such validation. Nice. Just such, like, it felt so good to hear that I can just still hang out with my friends, and they can still drink, and mm-hmm. I can still be comfortable, and still even be funnier than I am. That's yeah. a good feeling. You know? And it was a great thing. And, and so, and it was, it was, I was so grateful for that. But, to answer your question, I really had to break down everything I thought I was, rediscover who I am, and then build it back up. Yeah, you know, and it and it was it was the hardest thing I've ever done, because you know what if you wake up one day and you realize that your life isn't what it was, it's something completely different. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and then and then you add in the component of service for others, right? Mm-hmm. So what can I? So now I wake up today like, all right, man, how can I get in front of this industry guy? How can I get in front of this agent? How can I get signed by this? Blah blah blah. And I wake up, I'm like, all right, get to a meeting. Let's do some meditation. You know, let's focus on our, our spiritual health. Right. And then what can I do for other people? Right. You know what wow. I mean? One of the things I started doing, and I, I, I really need, I want to encourage all comedians to do this, is that we have this amazing sense of humor. But for some reason, we just hold it for the stage. Now, every day, I try to find one person where I can just make them laugh. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I go like a Bed Bath & Beyond. I have this chicken tears. Just tears. It's crushing. You know what I mean? Just because like we forget as comedians, we can do this at will. Mm-hmm. You know I, what I'm saying? Because we're, we, you know, it's like so funny because I used to say, I'm like, I take comedy very seriously. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. But, you know. Working on my craft, like, bro. <laughs> where, can I, where can I share this gift? Yeah. You know, and, and, and where can I make whoever laugh? Mm-hmm. You know, and I do it. I try to do it every day. You know? Yeah. So. And that's doing a good deed because you never know how much people need to laugh. Like, yeah. I, like I'm driving Uber and Lyft all day and I'm I'm always looking for the joke. I'm yeah, always yeah, like yeah. and that makes when I get on stage, it's ten times better. Sure. Ten times better my I connect way more. I'm like when I do crowd work, I'm like, Oh, that reminds me of that other person that I was trying to make laugh that oh, I just yeah. on the in the on the middle of the street, you know, and I was like, Oh, there goes the joke. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it works. Like doing that good <laughs> deed pays off so much more than people know. You get it back tenfold. Absolutely. Instead of like, oh, depositing like continuously depositing in your little personal atm yeah and the results are there you know mm-hmm. I, I was very very fortunate that i got to go to the middle east and 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 perform for our troops which is a dream of mine a bucket list item for yeah. me wow and i just simply put it out on the universe i was working with a comedian i knew she had done him i go hey if you have any advice on how to do that oh here this is don's name call don and i'll give you a referral wow and then, and then a dude like didn't have his passport up to date and they had to drop them off. They needed a guy last minute. They're like, you're on. And next thing you know, I'm wearing armored vests and hey. helmets and I'm getting on military planes and I'm wow. entertaining troops in the middle of Baghdad. You know what I mean? Wow. So it was just like, it, it was like when you let go of yeah. all the things that you want in this world, whether they're material possessions or relationships or whatever, and just let the world happen, like all these good things just kind of fall in. Yep. You know, because mm-hmm. you're, putting that, you're putting that good energy out. You're putting that good vibe out. Yeah. And you're becoming a human being. As opposed to like a predator that's looking for something to check off a list somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You know? you could, and you could smell that, and that's that, that's a a turnoff. I know because I used to be oh, that guy yeah. where I'm just like, oh, well, where can I get? Oh, who's the booker? Da 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 da. Just talking to them. Oh, fuck everybody else. I'm not gonna talk to them. Meanwhile, those people might have better relationships than the booker than you. And so yeah. when the booker asks them what it, what do they think about you, they're like, oh, I don't know. He just seems like a guy out for himself. So I had to check myself. And that's when I was drinking heavily. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm funnier than all these motherfuckers. It'll be fine. I can just go here and talk to the booker or shake hands with him. Sure, yeah. Just walk outside, smoke a cigarette and fuck everybody else. And that's when I was getting zero. Right. 
Yeah, because I was like, what's going on? What's going on? And then when I had my meltdown, I came back around, did the things that you were saying that we're doing. And now I'm, I'm getting more and more shows yeah. just because you're doing things for other people. You're creating good vibes for the universe. Yeah. And that's when the universe is like, all right, break them off a bone. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. And it, it feels more organic. Well, people, and plus people want to be around that energy. Yeah. yeah. They feel it. Somebody said to me, like, I was at the improv one night and somebody's like, walked up like, man, you just have different energy now. Yeah. I'm like, good. And I didn't, yeah. you know, you really think did. about it consciously. You're just like, good. I'm, yeah. I don't want to be this, this, as you described, this sad, pretty sad lump. Sack. This sad lump. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like I got to ch- check my testicle. Like, I got a sad lump here. Because you don't want to be in the middle of Baghdad with that guy from Big Sky. You know, you want to be with the new yeah, guy right. that's in Baghdad. Because, yeah. like, that guy's probably yeah. going to get you killed somehow. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. It was in, I was in Jibouti. You ice this, come at us, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just out on the rim. I'm past the the wire. Like, What's up? In your but draws I, with the AR. <laughs> I was in Djibouti, though, Africa, and, which is so fun Sorry. to say. No, it's mm-hmm. fun. Um, and after the show, uh, it's one of the few bases where they allow alcohol. You can have two beers, but then obviously they found a way to beat the system, and we could drink as much as we want. So all the comedians grabbed a beer, and it's like 89 degrees, and it's 10 o'clock at night, uh, and the beer it's sweating like our water's sweating right now. And I'm like, that looks amazing. And then all the comics there had the one beer, like, all right, we're going to turn in. And I'm looking around, I go, what do you mean you're going to turn in? They're like, yeah, we got an early, I go, you're not going to stay here and drink all night? I go, they're $2 each. Like, it's amazing. They're like, no. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like, I'd say, and I just, I was, I was walking back to my, wherever I was staying, and I'm just laughing at myself, thinking like, <laughs> Oh yeah, your brain works differently. Like you, <laughs> totally. you would sit there and drink all of the beers until you know, <laughs> they told you they have to leave. You exactly. Know? And start Iraq Part Two. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, something happened at that base in Djibouti. Like, yeah. We didn't talk about it. <laughs> we don't talk about the war. It wasn't a war, idiot. You're yeah. supposed to tell some jokes. Yeah, Ken just sits quiet in every corner of every comedy club now. <laughs> Just no left hand. Like, why did he lose his hand? We don't know. <laughs> he did a thing. <laughs> yeah. Started in Djibouti. We don't Djibouti, know. Djibouti, Africa. Um, what <laughs> would you say your level of honesty is? Oh, man. Um, oh, that's really a great question. Um, it, I would say about 98%. Um, okay. 98%. Because I don't, I don't think it's perfect yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still catch myself. In like little tiny white lies, but I I would say it's gone from like fifty percent to like ninety eight percent. So the improvement's been there. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm I I got divorced about five years ago. I was married for just under three, and when I look back, it was just I could not be honest with my wife because in my mind I was trying to protect her and protect her feelings. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was just like, well, I don't like. She, she asked me, you know, this is one example. Like, do you still talk to your ex girlfriend? I'm like, no, no, not at all. And I did because I'd known my ex girlfriend for t- since I was 12 years old. Yeah. And we were able to move into a friendship, but I knew that my wife was very insecure and wouldn't like that. So I was like, no, I don't talk to her anymore. And then sure enough, you get caught. Yeah. Talk, you know what I mean? And now, now all of a sudden, she's betrayed. And right. You know what I'm saying? So like, for me, it was just like, I, I was very much like, I don't want conflict. I just want to be. I want everybody to get along. I want everyone to just love each other. So if I just tell this little lie, it's not going to hurt anybody. And it deficits our relationship. I had to. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I had to. So now, you you know, like even like the littlest, tiniest thing, I'll make amends for. You know what I mean? I was talking to a friend of mine like, oh, yeah, no, I stopped seeing that girl. wasn't true. I was still seeing her. 
two hours later, I call her. I go, hey, I just want, I gotta let you know. I'm like, I, I wasn't honest with you. I'm still seeing that girl, but I didn't want you to judge me because I know you don't like her. You know what I mean? Like, so like you yeah. go through these things, but like, dude, it's 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 amazing that once you start really truly being honest with yourself and being an honest person, how much easier life gets, mm-hmm. and how much how much more intimate your relationships become. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can finally sit and talk with a person I'm dating saying, man, I'm feeling really insecure right now because this, this, and that. Whereas before, I couldn't do that. Four or five years ago, I couldn't do, do that. I would just sit with my insecurity or I'd go off drinking and then come home drunk and be like, I fucking hate when you both, you know, yeah. and just <laughs> let it blow off, you know, yeah. in, 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 in a much more magnified way. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I want to be. I think it's one of the things I continue to struggle with. Uh, but not certainly not as much as I did before because I'm a people pleaser and it's like yeah, I don't want to no. hurt a person's feelings you know what I mean so if you have an okay set and you get off I'm like hey great set I was like mm, you didn't have a good set you know what I'm saying like yeah. don't do you know what I mean like but I want people to feel good and feel confident and feel warm but it's like you can't do that yeah. you know what I mean so it's it's definitely something that I've gotten better at but I want to keep keep improving about myself totally yeah totally what is um what are the the character defects you have to work on most? Um I I struggle with defining character defects in regards to like um ego is has always been a huge I mean it's something we all have and we have to mm-hmm. have we have to have an ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's what puts our feet on the ground in the morning. You know what I'm saying? But for me, um, I, I, oh, I've lived uh, an entire life in fear. Mm-hmm. And so my, my, I guess my, the biggest character defect is that, um, is that I, 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 I guess I used to be really honest with you. I have always felt like a coward. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've never kind of stood up for myself. Mm-hmm. Instead, I've always kind of lived behind drinking. And yeah. kind of let my emotions fly through drinking. Um, and so one of the defects I'm working on in regards to honesty is just, um, I guess, managing fear. Does that make sense? Well, mm. that leads into the next question. Right. How do you deal with fear and anxiety? Fear and anxiety? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think it's so funny now because I almost feel like I've gone from the, being this guy who never talked about his feelings to like mm-hmm. just puking them everywhere. Yeah, they, just, you know what I mean. You'll just, just, yeah. oh, you'll yeah. get just used to vomiting it. feelings. Like full of Tony Robbins like, on everybody. Yeah. Like all the girls I'm dating now, are like you're like the most open and honest person I've ever met. It's so exactly. sexy. It's so amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because it's just because now I, I spent so many of my years just not telling about my feelings i didn't grow up in a a family where you could share your feelings yeah so for me it was just like there's almost a relief to be like hey man i'm pissed off about this or i'm Mm -hmm. really frustrated about you know this that's happening and so that's um, a hard thing to do when you're not primed for it there's just like no you just eat your emotions and oh yeah yeah, that's it just be a man be a man oh yeah we're very much raised on that culture Mm -hmm. where it's just like you know and i've had the same thing where um, you know, a guy called me a pussy for not drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I actually I'm, I talk about it on stage. I'm like, but now I feel that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I feel that feeling. <laughs> you know, because back in the day, I would have just punched him, or I would have, yeah. like, you know what I mean, or I would have just like 
talk shit about him, or I would have like or buy a bottle know. and show him how much. You yeah, can drink. exactly. Yeah, I'll show you what a pussy I yeah. am. And now you're just like, oh god, oh. I gotta. I'll be right back. I gotta call my sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I a pussy? <laughs> right. So, tomorrow's you know? day two, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Am I a pussy? Yeah, and so, um, I think that's you know I deal I deal with fear and anxiety, um, by working the program. Mm-hmm. I talk to my sponsor. I journal. Journaling has saved my life because it, it. I can tell when I haven't journaled for like two or three days because it's just all sitting up there. Mm-hmm. There is something for me about having it go from my brain to my hand onto paper mm-hmm. that lets those things sit there. Those feelings, those fears, those anxieties are on paper now and they're not in the head anymore. Mm-hmm. And they might creep up, but guess what? I get to write again tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So for mm-hmm. that, and then also, and I, I, I spoke about this earlier on the podcast, it's that ability to give yourself some space. Take a deep breath. You know what I mean? Say maybe a, a third step prayer. Maybe say the serenity prayer. Maybe just 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 take you know a moment, and they, they call about it, pause when agitated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so That pause me, can save a relationship. Oh, that pause can save a life, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'll give you an example. So probably about f- three weeks ago, I'm driving down Ventura, and this this car is in the middle and turns has his right signal on. So I go over to the right lane to give him room to merge on. He turns right, right in front of me. I slam on the brakes. I hit my horn. You son of a bitch, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, God, give me the strength, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I, and yeah. then I keep driving. I'm not kidding you, dude. 30 seconds later, this Mercedes cuts me off. <laughs> and I had to slam on my brakes, and I lost my shit. I mean, there was no coming back from this. Mm-hmm. I, I chased him. I pulled up next to him, and I look over him, and he gives me the finger. Oh. And I was like, it is on. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, I, and, and it's so funny because even when you're in a rage, you're like, you're planning it like, okay, I get the seatbelt off. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is when I get out of the car, I'm going to pull the, my belt off and wrap it around my hand and then punch it through his wind. Like, that's wow. how my mind yeah. is working at this high oh, level, but planned. I'm still in a rage. So we get to the red light, and this guy looked over at me, and he saw it, and he blew the red light wow. to get away from me. But then here's what happened. Here's the miracle. This this voice in my head went, stop. And it was in in in, in five, three years ago, two years, a year ago. Oh, yeah. It was like, hey, man, stop. But now it was, stop. And I go, okay. And I pulled over to the side of the road, and I went on with my day, and I called I called a buddy. And I'm like, fuck, this thing just happened, man. I'm so angry. Like, oh, cool, man. It'll be all right, you know, and... But like that voice to yeah. just Ooh. pause and yeah. go stop. Like all right, yeah, that was my higher power. Yeah. It really it was. It was just that subconscious that's now working at such a prime level. Yeah, that's just like, hey man, don't don't put yourself in this situation. It's yeah. not worth it. You don't know what happened to that guy. You don't know what his day was like. You don't know what he's struggling with. Mm-hmm. Like when you were talking about making decisions earlier, I got this interesting visual. Uh, it's like when you a decision happens in a split second and it goes through a very narrow path i feel like now that we are sober and our, our minds are diseases behind bars yeah. it's not gone it's just behind bars and it's just reaching through the bars like inmates do when they're like yeah. trying to riot or something and that's like your disease almost breaking out of the jail you let him out a little bit and he's like oh i'm gonna fuck i'm gonna yeah. burn this whole fucking place down and then that's when the bars were like shut yeah right there that's really cool it really is really cool yeah, and you just find a little bit of relief in that, and you're able yeah. to manage it a little bit more effectively. Yeah. And you know, and I'm again, I'm grateful for that. You that's know? awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. How do you experience forgiveness? Give it or receive it or what? Either way. How I experience forgiveness? 
Um, I'm struggling with that right now. I have a buddy, a very close friend of mine, who, um, who, who he's a comedian, and, and he was upset about the success some other people were having. And I was yeah. just like, and he's in the program, and I go, hey, man, let it go. Like, yeah. You know, like, it, when your time is right, it'll happen, and blah, blah, blah. And we're going back and forth, and I'm just trying to, like, hey, man, you know, because I, I didn't want him to, like, go out, go out and start drinking again. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, hey, just take the deep breath, and, you know, you know, there's always next year. Or there's like, and he, and he goes, go fuck your mother. Which, what? yeah, for any man, for a big deal. But from a south side Irish guy, just- like... <laughs> And I'm like, I gotta call Tony. Like, hey. we're gonna get a plane. Like, immediately it was like, burn it to the ground. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I'm gonna go fuck your it's mother. It's like that yeah. De Niro in touch. I want his family dead. I want his yeah. house burned to the ground, you know. And that was my, and so I'm like, ooh, okay. And I put, and I hope you're drinking. I go, I really put, I go, I hope you're, I hope you're drunk. He's like, nope. And I'm like, all right. Now, that was probably three weeks ago. I haven't talked to him yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I'm praying on. It's something that I'm talking to people about in regards to, forgiveness because like that was insulting he hasn't he the next day he sent me like his half ass like hey sorry i snapped at you you didn't snap at me you told me to go fuck my mother right yeah. you know what i'm saying like making amends for that but so i i think for me it's just like most of these little ticky tack things i'm like oh, i forgive you mm-hmm. you know like you just kind of like move on but i even said this in a meeting not too long ago it's like how many times do i gotta turn the other cheek mm-hmm. you know what i mean Oh, it's yeah. so frustrating. It's just because oh, after a, a while, one. you do yeah. feel like a pussy. Yeah. Like, oh, my, a little bitch here. You know what I mean? I like, know I got a backbone, motherfucker. Yeah, you want to see it? <laughs> it's hard, and I don't know if it's a change. If, if it's a male female thing, I'm sure mm-hmm. we all feel oh, it no. to some degree. I'm not a bitch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I had like I had an experience recently where, and it ha- it doesn't come up a lot because most even in comedy, folks like in a twelve step mindset usually yeah. they sort of gravitate toward me, and we all find each other and. I had an incident where a person in the program, I had, I had asked her not to say a thing on stage mm. and um, that I told her kind of in a friend, like 12 steppy, just I need to process this stuff capacity. Yeah. And I was, I literally said like, you know, spirit of anonymity, like, please don't mention this on stage. And, um, and it got mentioned yeah. and it affected my relationship with another person involved and I had to first off I had to like I was real upfront with a I need to make amends to that person because I I wasn't practicing anonymity well in that I was telling a thing that happened to me that involved another person to other people that I probably should have kept to my sponsor yeah um, I was not selective enough. And I was kind of relying on the fact that I could like say, oh, we're all kind of in a spiritual principle sense. If I ask somebody not to do a thing, they'll not do the thing. Right. And um, and then it, it came to a point where I had to like address it and I couldn't like fight the girl. You know what I yeah. mean? And so it was like, you know, I kind of I sent a text and I was like, you know, remember how I asked you on this occasion and this occasion not to do this specific thing? Yeah. You just did that. And um, I just want you to be aware. Yeah. And she called right away, and I was like, it is three in the morning. This is not appropriate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's when I'm dealing with it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I was like, this is not appropriate. We'll talk later. And you know, she sent me this text message the next day, and it was interesting because I have to remember that I've made bad amends before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make something real clear, at least what I've found in my recovery and amends goes like this. I 
have caused you harm, mm-hmm. how can I make it right? right? Not, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, yeah. or I'm sorry if this, or I'm sorry if that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, look, I can see that I caused harm. How can yeah. I make it right? And I got kind of one of those, I'm sorry if I did a thing. And I was like, okay. And and I took a deep breath, and I just responded with, I fully and completely unconditionally, you know, I fully and completely forgive you for yeah. that action. Yeah. Now I can forgive a person, but I can also, on the flip side, make a decision. Sure. How yeah. do I want this relationship to be going forward? Yeah. And it's okay to allow the relationship to change now that I have new information. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so like the new information is, is he's a guy when he's backed against the corner, mm-hmm. will tell you, you know, the deepest he's, secrets. Yeah, he's gonna, real, real. yeah, exactly. Or is yeah. the type of guy who will, you yeah. know, when you get upset, the Jews are in the attic. Right, right, right. Or, you know, when, when homeboy was like, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to fuck your mother. Like, yeah. like you get to decide like, okay, well, I can decide how close I need to be with this person. And that's exactly it. Smart. Yeah. yeah. And and there isn't any um there isn't any malice in that and I don't lose any sleep over that. Yeah. I think initially and also when I make an amends to another person to recognize that if you know, when I have caused harm, they may need the space and I need to trust my higher power mm-hmm. to take care of that person and to entrust that if that person's going to be in my life, if they need to change the nature of our relationship to give them the space to do that, because yeah. I want to be allowed to do that with other people. Yeah. And like, I think, I, I mean, I don't know if, if that helps at all, but it like, does. But I guess my question is, do you, can you ask a person to make an amends or do you just say, I forgive you? But the relationship has changed. And I, do you tell that person that the relationship has changed? That's because a Because I feel question. like I need to put some boundaries in place. Because yeah. I can forgive him mm-hmm. for saying this thing, but I don't know if it I can go on being friends with a person like that. Right. Because I don't want that type of toxic negativity in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're willing to tell a person to go fuck their mother based on some kind of trivial, real trivial thing. They're literally trying to help you. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm really, like, just trying to talk you off the ledge a little bit. Yeah. It's just like... Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes... Um, uh, sometimes I'll say this in those situations when somebody's just calling to be like, I'm going to fucking dump. Yeah. What I'll say is, would you like the friend response or would you like the program response? Sure. And if mm-hmm. they give me, if they, they usually say, well, both. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, well, the friend response is, I love you. That super sucks. I'm yeah, yeah, so yeah. sorry. And the program response is usually something along the lines of like, what's your part in this? Why are you dwelling on this? Yeah. You know, do you have any control over this? No, you right, don't. Right. Like, let it go. And so um, I guess to answer your question, um, I'm currently uh, just, uh, just behaving mm-hmm. in a way that's different in that relationship. Yeah. And not spelling it out. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of saying, you know, trusting that I don't, because there's amends because in the, the the reason why the forgiveness question comes up before like an amends question Mm -hmm. is because going into an eight step about second or second round through the steps, Mm -hmm. my sponsor said, you know, you can't ask for forgiveness when you haven't totally forgiven mm-hmm. and what i realized is i was holding on to a lot of half t- half forgiven resentments yeah and i started doing this exercise um out of uh emmett fox's sermon on the mount where mm-hmm. you there's a prayer forgiveness prayer and i started writing out for every single person i worked with at the time this was pre-comedy mm-hmm. 
and I wrote this out and then I realized, oh shit, I have to do this for everyone ever. Wow. And I can, I can, uh, send it to you. The, the PDF of servant on the mountain. It's like in the eight step section, Mm -hmm. but, um, the, uh, the cool thing about it is it was very much like, I forgive this person. Cool. And I, um, I forgive this person and that gives me freedom and it gives them freedom. Yeah. I completely, I fully and freely give it away. Mm-hmm. And that exercise changed my life. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing in my life right now because sure. those re- those resentments were bogging me down. But what I realized is as I was doing that, I had to do those for some dead people. I had oh. to do those for some people that didn't respond. Yeah. I had to do those for people where, where the amends the amends had become very one-sided. And so now I have this, what I learned from that is I can forgive somebody. I can do the forgiveness part of an eighth and ninth step on a situation. Mm -hmm. I can do the forgiveness part and the other party doesn't have to be an active participant. Right. Um, and so I guess in that situation, it's just, so you don't send them the prayer. You don't send You just kind of just say it for them or say it. I say it for them in okay. the privacy. I, I wrote it down because gotcha. I okay. have to write my prayers down sure. or my prayers go something like, God, grant me the serenity. Oh, shit. My laundry's in the dryer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, so, Ken, and Ken, it sounds like your side of the street is clean, right? I think that's that's a very programmed thing. Like, oh, make sure your side of the street is yeah. clean. And that, yeah. that's... that's it's so much easier yeah, when your side of the street is clean. You're like, hey, now the ball's in your court. I, say, I, tell, I tell people, I, in fact, I... I said, I don't have any bullshit left in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> well, because here's, here's the Good. thing about that kind of behavior, and I've been in that person's position before, too. I can say this. Um, thank God for all the people that loved me while I was an asshole in my recovery. Yeah. And didn't go, smack, you're an asshole. Yeah. And thank God for the people that occasionally went, smack, you're an asshole. Sure. And I don't know who that who I'm supposed to be in those, but they might need the space to realize like, Oh, I have a negatively affected a friendship (laughs) with someone. And the consequences are to get back to the, like you can get a DUI and get off. The consequences are is like, maybe Ken didn't pick up the phone the first time. (laughs) or Maybe when he did call, he got off the phone right when things got to a certain point or maybe, you know, when he does talk to you again, you can set the boundary of like, Hey man, it's totally cool that you call and give me, you know, and let me know what's going on. However, um, this call ends if you insult me in any way. Yeah. You know, like I'm here to help you. Yeah. And this call ends if you attack. Yeah. And like maybe that's the boundary that needs to be set. I don't know. Yeah, but you'll you'll find it. Your yeah. firepower will direct you wherever it needs to go. He, yeah, he yeah. Will. and that feels. I feel like that's you having a more awareness of your people pleasing defect because I feel like that hurts you so much. Like I did suffer from that a lot. Where I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm a yes man. You know, sometimes yeah. my high energy. Oh yeah. Well, what do you need? What do you need? I'll mm-hmm. take care of this. I'll take care of that. Sure, sure, sure. But then at the end of the day, I'm just like, okay, what do I have left? Because oh, you yeah. you can draw yourself so thin you know because you're always on for people and that's when i had like i had talked to anna about this like in my sobriety where i had to turn a lot of that off because it came from a very weird place sure where i'm like because oh if i do all of this then i'm going to get all of this yeah but that's not how you do it that's not you don't just go and you know try to feed the entire village that's Mm -hmm. you have no food left and then you can't do anything all right and then you feel like a failure. And then you're like, oh, poor, what was me? You know, oh, yeah. well, they should have done this. Or they should have done that. No. 
You you keep your side of the street clean, and that's yeah. the only thing you're obligated to. It's the only thing you can, you know. You're in control of. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to say that, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, I, I can only control how I behave. And it, and all that resentment doesn't manifest in your brain anymore. No. It turns into something, and then you go around hurting other people. Yeah. You know, like you close yourself off to other people because of that. Yeah, my default now is like if somebody's like rude to me or something like that, I was like, oh man, I wonder what, what's going on in their life. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's different than people pleasing. People yeah. pleasing is like, I'll do anything it takes to get you to not be mad at oh, me. And now no. it's just like, oh, I wonder what, what that guy's going through or I wonder right. what she's going through. Right. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like, it's funny because when you are a people pleaser, it's like I've, I've stayed in relationships for multiple years mm-hmm. because I just didn't want to disappoint them with a breakup of course you know now like you know i was dating a girl recently and we only dated a couple of weeks and i'm just like i'm not getting what i want out of this relationship and so i was just like hey I'm, I'm you know yeah we need to just be friends because you know we're just not on the same page and we just want different things right now and it's just like for me that was such a big deal because it's it insane like, the anxiety of like oh she's gonna be what if she gets mad and what she's yeah. like you know smears my name across the board right. and, you know, i'm just yeah. like well i can't you can't control any of that shit all you can do uh-huh. is be honest with the person so and they'll appreciate that way more than you leading them down this like, oh, road of false hope you know? for sure what's been your weirdest um sort of amends that you've had to make and i'm listening i'm just gonna look for a power cord <laughs> yeah um i would say uh with my ex-wife for sure okay you know, because uh, my ex-wife is, uh, she is not nostalgic. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And so right. she's like, doesn't want to go down memory lane. Right. And she was very happy for me that I was doing this. Yeah. Um, she was supportive. But, you know, uh, she didn't want to talk. You know, oh. I, said, I sent her a text say, hey, can I talk to you this afternoon? And she's like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, I was like, well, I'm going through this program, and I, I, I needed to talk, reach out to, to you and, and talk to you a little bit about it. But I'm like, but I also respect that. And I go, if you want, I can just email you. And she's like, yeah, would you email me? And so I wrote her a really nice letter making my amends yep. and owning the things that I did wrong and, and asking what I can do to make up, you know, and make them, make them right. Yeah. And uh, she sent me a really nice email back, and, and that was it. You know, and that was really the only time I've talked to her in the last five years but and that's fine um but it was really awkward because it was just like i thought like in my mind i was just like going like so much anxiety around like this huge showdown oh yeah gonna, you know what oh, i mean yeah. and god what if she just tells me stuff i don't want to hear that would yeah. be the worst you know of course <laughs> like, you know because i'm such a good person you know but yeah, you're flawless <laughs> yeah yeah so um I, I think that that was probably the hardest and weirdest probably amends that I made. And I honestly, uh, the eighth step was just like a lot of the amends I made, people were so happy for me and so supportive. And, you know, there weren't, there really weren't any bitter amends where it was just like, yeah, you know what, whatever, go fuck. You know, like it was all just like, hey, man, I'm just happy that you're happy. And a lot of it was just like, you, it wasn't that as bad as you make it out to be. You know, of course, it was like, of course. Oh, yeah, okay. you're, you're cooking this grandiose thing in your mind. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I was just telling somebody, I'm like, the first two hours of drinking, I'm amazing. I'm yeah. like, the best time in the world. <laughs> so a lot of times people just remember, like, oh, dude, you were great. You were hilarious, you know. Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde, oh, I'm telling man. you. Yeah, Dr. Jekyll and Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> you go around just beat people. <laughs> yeah. What is your, uh, oh, as I talk, just ask. How about into the microphone? Into the microphone. Yeah. What is your, uh, what is your 
sort of like daily practice. It sounds you've already talked a lot about that, but yeah, and it's it's it is a struggle to stay consistent. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things. Consistency is, is the enemy of long term yeah, recovery. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So I uh, this is the what I try to do every day, which is like I get up and I I say prayers, and then I try to meditate for twenty minutes, and then I try to go to uh, the noon meeting if uh, if I'm available, mm-hmm. or I'll try to do like knock out the nine a.m. meeting, and um. And then I tr- I try to do prayers and more meditation at night, but it just doesn't, you know, you I guess get so tired or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so busy or whatever. Um, but those are the things. That, oh, and then I try to journal three pages. Wow. Nice. You know, and they're, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're like a little, it's not a huge notebook, but I try yeah. to journal three pages a day of just free writing. Okay. And that has had the biggest impact of me. Really? Because it's just like showering. It's a spiritual shower in the morning. Like, I just get up, I write my three pages of whatever I'm thinking of, and it just sits there on paper. Nice. And then I go on about my day, and then all of a sudden, it starts to be- begin to build and build and build. And then by the time I go to bed and wake up the next day, I've got all this stuff. Oh, here's three more pages. And now it just sits on the paper. Yeah. But again, I can tell. Like, with, if I go two, three days without journaling, it's just like, oh, boy. Like, why is this? Yeah. I go, why am I have so much blockage? Right. You know start what I'm snap, saying? It's start like, oh, snapping at all, people. Oh, it's all funky up there, thoughts, man. yeah. You know what I mean? And mostly the insecurities and the fears right. come through. You All know? day. Yeah. So. What is uh, your relationship with your higher power like? Oh, it's amazing. It really is. It's great. It's, it's, I, I it's so funny because for the first nine months when I was, I was dry mm-hmm. and it was because I was in a, another 12 step program. So I was kind of like, this is enough. Um, I kept forgetting about my higher power. I kept forgetting. I was treating it as in case of emergency break glass. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? As opposed to having a daily relationship and having this kind of spiritual connection with my higher power. And so for me, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't have to deal with this. I can just say, I'm going to hand this off mm-hmm. to my higher power and let him deal with it. And now through those steps, the prayer, the meditation, the journaling, I'm able to have a more connected relationship with my higher power. And I can call upon him. You know what I mean? That voice going, stop. Stop the car. Like, yeah. okay, cool. I got you. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. now that voice is louder and it, and it screams in my head the right thing to do a lot of times. Right. That's don't, awesome. Don't yeah. close with that joke. Don't yeah, close yeah, with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't chase the dragon. Don't right. chase the last laugh. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would you what would you say? Do you have a, a last question? Your 12th question? Or do you want me to just go to the go-to? I think we got a good old. Uh, I mean, we'll get to. We, we actually got a. We actually got a, a, a email in. So we did. Yeah. We got the email, which is a. Uh, we could do that. I we mean, could do all thirty things we're grateful for. No, no, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> Jeez, what are we losers? <laughs> I got. I got gigs. No, to I, no I just. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Like, eventually, one of us is gonna have to pee. And we'll be mm-hmm. grateful for that for sure. Yeah. But, well, um, just the, the idea of it, I think, is pretty cool. Uh, for some people, I think yeah. maybe our listeners. We did get shout out. Who was the person who sent the email? Uh, let's see. We got. God, a, I'll never be organized on this podcast. Let <laughs> me you're tell fine. you. That's why. That's why I'm here. Um, but make sure you keep <laughs> keep you on a on a short leash there, old Anna Valenzuela. Uh, we, we got a a reader or a listener email in uh, from a Michael Adut. It says, "Aloha, Twelve Questions Podcast. You've never heard of me. My name's Mikey. Uh, I found your email searching through accounts on Twitter." about 
posting about gratitude, positivity. I've never gotten gratitude spam before. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, this this is the most welcome <laughs> spam in the world, yeah. aside from the canned version, you know? No, it's good, though. I like it. Yeah, let me get straight to it. the point. I'm writing to you because I'm working on creating a physical gratitude journal, all oh. about giving a tangible gift of gratitude for somebody you care about. It works by choosing one person, writing 30 entries of something you're thankful for about them, and then surprising them with a finished journal afterwards. Aww. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing, Mikey. And I'm really glad you wrote us in because, hey, w- w- some of our listeners might be having you know, issues with a person that they just yeah. can't talk to, that they just don't want to face. Hey, sit down and just re-explore that. You, you most likely could save a relationship or at least yeah. keep your side of the street clean. Yeah, You can give that journal onto them and just like, hey, there's all... How I feel about them. Or you can find out why you adore somebody. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a comic who's really overly enthusiastic uh, mm-hmm. in our world. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, you're dying. Yeah. And I immediately, like, at first I was like, this, I had no patience. I was like, oh, yeah. 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 Same way. And then all of a sudden I realized, I like sat down one day and I just stared at him like a creepy <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah. And I realized so all innocent. the things yeah. that are great about him. Yeah. And they're so like, he's super generous and yeah. he's such a cheerleader. And yeah. if I had a flat tire in the middle of the night, if I called this person, they would be there, yeah. you know, if he like touches my head one more time, one more time. Oh, yeah. I'm going to um, lose my shit. He's yeah. the Rudy of the LA conversation. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, like you're cheering to... for the guy. Oh. I'll lay my Letterman jacket down for the coach, but, yeah. oh, but my like, God, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give but it a minute. Here's... I love you. Yeah. Will you give it a minute? <laughs> Let's just take a breath. It's so funny. Here's here's usually the, the question I've been asking on, on our 12th question is usually, yeah. uh, what? If you could tell, and I'm gonna spit, I'm gonna make it specific for you. If you could tell some person, guy or gal on the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. maybe feeling the way you feel, yeah. If you could give them one, like one thing out of this conversation to take with them, what would it be? Um, for all the tough guys and gals out there. You know, it's it's funny. It's like I worked with this national... I won't say his name, but I worked with this national headliner recently who's just known for being a party animal on stage and off stage, and, like, it's become part of his brand. And I talked to him about my sobriety, and I said, look, I'm not... You know, I go, I'm not um, just trying to sell this thing here. I'm like, it's just... This is what my life yeah. is now. You know what I'm saying? And And he just looked at me like I was just like... He's like, I can never do that. I can never have that. And the answer is you can you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. Like, I I was always that party animal. I was always the first guy at the bar. I was always the last guy to leave. I was always the life of the party. It, it, my alcoholism, or not my my alcohol use, identified who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. But now my sobriety does. You know what I'm saying? And now my sobriety is, like, this gift where I'm just like, my life has gotten a lot easier now. Things are easier to manage. Um, and so I would tell that person on the south side of Chicago, like, don't don't buy into a stereotype. Don't buy right. into something where you, you feel like you. Well, this is just who I am. I'm just this person. You could change this minute. You don't have to wake up tomorrow. You don't have to go drink the final six beers in the fridge like I did. You can just change right <laughs> now if you want to, and you really can. Yeah. You know. And so, if anything, life has taught me it's that at any given moment you can change who you are, and you can be a better person, and you can decide that. 
your you want the life that you want to live, not what somebody else wants you to live. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ken. Ken Gar crushing it. Dude, Again, right? Such a pro. <laughs> Such a pro. Such a pro. Hey, if I could just real quick, I want to plug my, oh, I have a podcast. I'd love for you guys to listen to. It's great. I, it's called Benched. Um, mm-hmm. It's about relationship. It's about dating. I do it with the Playboy advisor, Bridget Fetissey. She's Love Bridget. She is yeah. three years sober. Mm-hmm. Wow. We we'll have, be getting her um, on the show eventually. So there's a lot of recovery on the podcast, mm-hmm. a lot of healing. There's a lot of crazy dating stories. So if you guys are out there and you're struggling uh, with dating, We'd love for you to listen in. Yeah. Uh, it's available on iTunes. It's called The Bench Podcast. And you can find everything you want about me uh, at KenGar.com yeah. and on Twitter and Instagram at ComedianKenGar. You got all your plugs in. All Boom. I've been doing these things, yeah. man. And come to lab work. Get that ass handed to you real yeah. quick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Alex, where can people find you? Uh, on all social media at Dapper Duong. That's D-A-P-P-E-R-D-U-O-N-G. Duong. Mm. <laughs> Duong. Um, <laughs> and you can find me at Anna V is Fun on Twitter and Instagram. We also have the 12Q Pod Twitter, um, which we'll be using a lot once we uh, start releasing. Tweet at us. Tweet, uh, tweet at us. At us. We'll um, read your questions, email us, talk to us, come fuck with us. Yeah, and if uh, no one's told you guys today uh, that, they, that you were loved, uh, we love you here. And uh, We do. Yeah. Alex, love you, man. Oh, I'm Yeah, Ken, love you, man. Love you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. We out.